I'm Stuart Brand. This seminar about long-term thinking is brought to you by the Long Now Foundation. If you would like to see high-quality videos of the talks in the series, including this one, they are available online for Long Now members at longnow.org. Hi, Pete. Hi, Ken. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Right. right. Good. NASA. Yep. Space. The final frontier. <laughs> okay, so uh, let, let me start by saying I was uh, 19 years old in 1969 when, when we walked on the moon, and at the time I thought that was just like the biggest boondoggle waste of time, money, and everything else that I could possibly imagine. So you obviously <laughs> feel differently. <laughs> uh, I was 19 also in 1969. Oh, good. <laughs> so, uh, th there's sort of three things we do uh, in... NASA, and I think uh, people tend to forget them. Uh, the, the first one, and I'm a scientist, is science. And uh, uh, we're finding out the secrets of the universe. In the last couple decades, we revolutionized physics. And uh, each new discovery shows we know less about the universe than we did before. It's job security for physicists, that's good. <laughs> but uh, it culminated really in a few years ago in, in uh, a Nobel Prize uh, for a NASA civil servant. So it's quite an honor for for a fellow civil servant. Uh, the next decade or two, uh, I think, are the decade of biology. And uh, uh, we are on the verge, I believe, of finding out where else in the universe life exists. Does it exist elsewhere? Or are we the only life? And, and that's a pretty significant scientific thing. Second, and, and, and this is probably more important to the people, we do a lot of things to help life on Earth. Uh, aviation is the first day in NASA. Uh, we are confronted with a, a crisis, and as everyone knows, and most everyone knows, <laughs> in the climate uh, change. And uh, one of the things we have to do is build green airplanes, things that uh, enable us to continue to bring the world closer together at the same time uh, without spewing more carbon in the atmosphere. The other thing is really understanding climate change and itself. Uh, I'm increasingly intrigued and terrorized, frankly, that we study mass extinctions on the Earth, and there were six major ones. Uh, the last big one, was, which did away with the dinosaurs, uh, or so we think, uh, was caused by an asteroid. But the previous five ones seemed to be tied up with climate change and changing the biology of the ocean. Uh, the last thing we do, and what gets all the attention, is what Apollo was all about, was uh, uh, we are on the verge of, of extending humanity into the solar system, into the cosmos. Uh, and as a, as a space guy, that's, to me, maybe the most exciting Sometime in the next half century, we will leave this world forever. And uh, at that point, humanity, intelligence, life, art uh, is going to go in an unbelievable center direction. So I think, you know, my answer is uh, we do space because we're human. And, uh, you know, more than the individual important subparts, which are still important. What do you mean in the next half century we're going to leave this Earth forever, is that what you said? Yes, I, I, the, the primary objective of NASA now is, uh, is to begin the settlement of the solar system, you know, whether that's on the moon or Mars or asteroids. Uh, but uh, that is the objective, is to develop the technology and the ability to place a permanent, I won't even say human, let's say a settlement of something right. uh, on another world. Uh, now there's a, a lot of philosophical arguments uh, both ways, but that's going to happen, whether it happens by governments, whether it happens by private uh, individuals or consortia, I, I don't know. But uh, 
Uh, I'm convinced by the middle of the century there will be a human settlement, probably on Mars. Uh, and at that point, uh, it goes in all sorts of wonderful directions. What, uh, without getting into current politics or getting into current politics, so it seems like NASA is an agency that's under siege or is maybe not so well thought of as it was back in the 60s and the 70s. Is that true? And how is the agency responding to that? Well, I think it's yes and no. I mean, uh, uh, in the 60s, we were part of the Cold War, part of the security, and, and that's where people's attention now. Now we have a lot of other problems. And uh, so I think that we're less central to most people's thinking. At the same time, though, you know, the, the NASA is probably the only U.S. brand that's still pretty good. You know, you go to Africa and other places, you see kids wearing NASA T-shirts. Right, right, right. uh, you don't see them wearing IRS T-shirts, right. for example. Uh, so, so, you know, I, I think it's uh, every place I go. You know, I, I used to be in the Air Force, and, you know, if you told somebody on a flight you were in the Air Force, they'd, you know, baby killer. Uh, but, uh, you know, I have a NASA button, and, and uh, everywhere people talk about it. I was just in Saudi Arabia, and uh, the Saudis have a real challenge is... Uh, uh, sometime the oil money runs out. They have to become, in their opinion, a knowledge-based economy before yeah. that happens. Uh, they want to tie with NASA. They want to use our logo. And uh, uh, they've had a Saudi astronaut, and it's, uh, uh, it's an inspiration to everybody. To, to the, you know, we can be part of this, this particular direction of the future of humanity. Is there, is there a... Uh I mean, I have to confess, despite my first statement, there's something sort of romantic and fabulous about um, space exploration and pushing those frontiers. And I think for artists as well, it's this pushing into the unknown, right? It's like going in places where you're not comfortable and you don't know what's going to happen and, and even it's a little dangerous. Like in this case, we're maybe uh, physically dangerous and the artists are certainly intellectually, emotionally and sometimes physically dangerous in the work that they do. Um, so in that sense, I think it's, it, the, it's a place where science and art actually... Uh, come together pretty well. well. Very much so. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think the inspiration for people to do, to be on the frontiers is the same as whether it's art or science. Uh, it, it is a, a quest to, to better understand the universe you live in. And, and, and one of the questions, I guess, to ask you is, you know, when, and uh, I'll say when, uh, we form new cultures elsewhere, what art should we take with us? I mean, sending a bunch of engineers to Mars is probably not the best way to start. We should probably take some artist or art or thinking because it, uh, I mean, what is your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, that's an interesting question. Um, I guess I'm, I'm kind of um, in, intrigued by this idea of what would be the, if I, if I could pick the, the, uh, this is like a science fiction thing, right? I could pick the people that would be in that settlement. What's the composition of people? And, and of course, um, there's a certain level of, well, we need people who can sustain this settlement, right? So we need the mechanics and we need the people who can, and the engineers and the people who can sustain this. But if that's as far as we want to go, then that's all we need. But if we want people who are going to, who are going to create and take that to a next step further, then I would say, yes, that's when we need um, artists and, and thinkers and idea people. The, the tricky p the part that I'm kind of curious about is that, that um, and particularly now, I think that, that those thinkers are the most um, scary 
to most people and, and most institutions at this moment in time. So there's, I, I think there's an uh, unconscious, at least, effort to put a lid on all of this crazy, dangerous thinking. And, let's just, and I'm just wondering if you have that same, that same experience in terms of, I'm thinking maybe that's why NASA is having sort of a struggle now, right? Because look, we, don't, we don't want all of that crazy thinking. It's scaring us a little bit. Well, it's interesting. You, uh, I just got back from a two-day two uh, kumbaya session, I guess you'd call it, with, a, with the NASA leadership to try to figure out. Uh, uh, and, uh, and, and I have to confess to being the radical. I, I represent, the, you know, there's 10 NASA centers, and we're in the Silicon Valley, so, uh, and, and in the San Francisco Bay Area. So we're regarded as not being oh, exactly yeah. uh, typical government employees. And uh, I'm proud of that. Uh, but uh, I think that, that any constructive effort, and it, it's hard to be constructive and creative in, in a government uh, bureaucracy, must have that mix. And, it, and, it, and it, when you look at, at scientific endeavors that have been done in the past that have succeeded, uh, they, they tend to have that spirit of, uh, you know, radicalism and, right. and, and uh, you know, sort of giving the system a finger every now and right. then. Right. And, and so I think that that's going to be essential. It, 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 one of the problems that NASA has had in the last few years is we became a bit of a, uh, of a bureaucratic, uh, you know, sort of just another day at work kind of thing. And I, and I think that the, what we need to do is if we're going to do great things in NASA, we're going to do great things in the government, or we're going to do great things in private sectors or universities, you have to have that spark. And it, that's why I'm really concerned that if we do settle another world, and when we do, that we take along the people with us that are going to, to think, uh, I mean, it's an it's a overused term, outside the box. Right, you know, right. Uh, I mean, in my view, there shouldn't even be a box, but, uh, but, I, but I think that, that, that that's a struggle. Yeah, that, that's what I was getting. I, I completely agree. I think that there's, there's, a, there's one of the reasons many of us are finding it so difficult in this particular moment in time is because there is this kind of overwhelming desire to to not have that expansive thinking, right? You know, schools teach to the test. There's a prescribed thing that you're supposed to know. Once you know that, then you're so-called educated, um, and that's pushed out. Um, never mind what uh, uh, Melissa was saying about science education. Art education is also out the window because that's not deemed necessary once you get to, you know, it doesn't fit inside this box, and yet that's where the creative thinkers and the creative ideas are coming from that will propel us into the future. That, to my mind, is one of the more, most exciting things about the idea is that sometime in some of our lifetimes there will be alternative places, there will be alternative yeah. societies that are really separate. You know, you know the, the discussion here previously about uh, the uh, Polynesian explorers that, uh, uh, in fact, there's a museum in, on the Big Island of Hawaii that, uh, or a planetarium that combines the, the traditional exploration with... The, New exploration, and it and it's very interesting that cultures. I mean, we always use the Europeans, you know, coming to the New World, uh, but I think it's more interesting to look at some of these other things that right, uh, right. Polynesians going to other places. That, that what did they bring with them? And uh, I think that that allowed a flowering of of, of creativity. Uh, if there is an alternative, and unfortunately, as the world becomes closer together, there isn't an alternative. So we may represent that one place that. 50 or 100 years from now, if you want to go 
someplace that you're not constrained by the society it might not be on this planet. So, you know, you had mentioned earlier that, you know, NASA and its origins being part of the Cold War, and certainly that was my experience of it too, but I'm just curious then, given what you just said, if there's a sensibility around a more um, transnational approach to space. It's always been such a, like, space race, right, between the U.S. and Russia. Um, is, is that dead? Is, that, is there something happening that... It's not quite dead, but it... It's getting dead and should be dead, in, in my opinion. Uh, it was sort of interesting that a, uh, I was, as I said, I was in Saudi Arabia a few weeks ago, and uh, it was commemorating the flight of the first Saudi astronaut who happened to be the nephew of the king. So <laughs> selections are a little different in other countries. And, uh, but uh, <laughs> Prince that Sultan. That could go many ways, <laughs> right? But uh, uh, at any rate, he, he, he told the story that uh, when they were uh, in the space shuttle, and there was also a French astronaut. And uh, he said the first day they were all pointing to the, to the country they were from. They'd fly over and say, that's you know, where I was born. He said the next day they were pointing to the continent. And he said by uh, the third or fourth day, it was just they're all humans from this planet. And, and I think maybe the most important philosophical thing that, that happened in the space age was those iconic pictures of the moon you know, with the Earth rising over it, mm -hmm. you look at this little fragile ball, and we're all living on that spaceship. And I think that that changed forever, that concept. So uh, that's the spirit that really is, is, is going to bring us together. And uh, uh, so in, in some sense, it, you know, space represents the, the one place that, you know, you don't see any boundaries from space. Right, right. Well, certainly that's interesting from an artistic point of view. I think a lot of artists have done projects with those photographs or photographs like those. There's a sense of awe that's inspired by seeing the Earth from space um, that I think it inspires artists to do interesting projects around that as well. Have you ever been in space? No, no. I, 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 was, a, I was on a finalist list to be an astronaut once, but uh, uh, the, uh, you know, it's, I would still love to do it. In fact, we might get a chance to do it. Uh, you know, there, there are now commercial uh, suborbital flights that are almost within the reach of a government employee. Uh, but uh, so I think in the, in the next decade there will be opportunities. I mean, uh, if I uh, you know, happen to have a senior job at my next-door neighbor, Google, I might have enough money to actually fly, <laughs> fly in right, orbit. Right, right, but right. Uh, but uh, it is, that's an interesting question, is that uh, we are seeing the private sector get into space, and there'll be private opportunities for people to fly. So, you know, I'm at the age and the physical condition. That's the only way I'll probably get in space. So I, right. I pay somebody. So, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to go in a completely weird direction here and ask you about extraterrestrials. Right. Do you believe in such things? Extraterrestrial life, yes. yes. Uh, uh, that's a very interesting question. And uh, there's a, uh, a concept called the Fermi paradox. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, the, uh, that says if, you, if we expect that there's nothing particularly unusual about us, you know, we're on a middle-aged star, and, you know, there's a lot of older ones and younger ones and kind of a nondescript part of the galaxy and a nondescript galaxy, that if life is everywhere, there should have been civilizations that are you know, right. eons ahead of us. But uh, Jill Tarter was, talked earlier that uh, uh, as we look into space, we don't see anything. And, uh, you know, we haven't looked very far, but uh, uh, if life is everywhere, how come we don't see it now? I know a lot of people that think they have seen it. I know people think they've had rides in spaceships. Uh, most of them tend to be a little weird. Uh, and they were weird before they had the ride in the spaceship. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I, for one, don't see any evidence of 
of intelligent life elsewhere. Begs the question of whether it's here, of course. Right. Uh, but, uh, uh, but I do see evidence. We're, we're seeing tantalizing evidence of microbial life on Mars and other places. Uh, and we are on the verge of, of finding that life. But one of the possibilities, and this is one that a number of folks involved in the long now have discussed, is that, that life or intelligence gets to a crisis. Where, In fact, it's called a singularity, where we see accelerating technology, particularly in information, biology, in fact, we're within probably a few decades of what some believe true artificial intelligence, that what happens to life is they become something else. In fact, maybe they leave the universe or they're not interested in communicating anymore. Uh, and, and that's one of the very interesting philosophical questions. In fact, we have an institute down at Moffett Field called the Singularity University that's starting to look at, uh, at uh, these kind of questions. So uh, I personally believe probably there was intelligence, it is elsewhere, and it very quickly pass through the phase we're in and is something else. Yeah, that's interesting. I've, I've I had exactly the same mm -hmm. thought. My, because it's always, you know, search for um, life as we know right. it, right? Some, and so, okay, we can look out and we don't see life as we know it. Can we imagine life as we don't know it existing, having existing, and it's so not how not as we know it, that we can't even see it. It could be there and we can't even see it. Yeah, the word alien probably doesn't begin to describe right. <laughs> what, uh, what is likely out there. And uh, it's also a possibility that we are the first, which is an equally interesting and yeah. scary concept, that, that life is rare and that for some random reason it happened here. And yeah. it gets very quickly into metaphysics and religion, which is really fun. Which is really, which is really fun. Um, and aren't there some physical, like... Um, uh, speed of light, you can only travel so far, so fast, before human beings disintegrate or something like that? Well, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly? Uh, the, uh, I mean, for our understanding of physics today says there are fundamental limits to, I mean, the limit is the speed of light. You can only asymptotically approach that. Uh, still means you could go pretty far in the, in the, in the universe, but it, it suggests that, that an expanding civilization at best would expand at the speed of light. Now, there's some very interesting ideas that, uh, you know, that people in the fringe of physics say, well, maybe you could, there's ways around it. There's, uh, in fact, if you watch science fiction, there's a, lots of interesting ways, right. weird physics. But in, in, in an interesting way, I think science fiction is kind of a blending of art and science, right? Take a little bit of science and move to a creative place. Science fiction is what gets, got all of us excited. I mean, I, got, yeah, right. I don't know how many times I got science fiction books taken away from me in school. <laughs> you know, you know, I was supposed to be reading the text. Right, right, right. Okay, I guess our time is up. Oh, we still got 24 seconds. Well, the, uh, you know, come and talk to us about what you think art we ought to take with us. Because I okay. think that's the fundamental question that, you know, as we go, uh, we need art maybe more than we need the science. Yeah, and I would say, in my quick answer, is take artists. That's, that's what I would be advocating for. Thank you. Thank you. This seminar about long-term thinking was brought to you by the Long Now Foundation. Thanks to Fora TV, you can see high-quality videos of the talks online by joining Long Now as a member at longnow.org. Thank you for listening. I'm Stuart Brand.